is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips success strategies and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now please do like, share and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Now, I am delighted today to be joined by the wonderful Claire Nutter. She's somebody that I describe as being energy personified. And she and I first met when we both worked at Compass Group. We didn't work very closely together because we were in different divisions. But she always used to shine every time I would see her in head office. And now she's left Compass Group a few years ago and she has created a really successful company known as Cracked Food Service Marketing. And she's just a beacon of light. So I'm looking forward to getting to know Claire a little bit more on the podcast today and sharing everything that she's achieved with you, the listener. So Claire is in her kitchen, which looks absolutely stunning. How are you, my lovely? I'm really good, thank you. A beacon of light or a beacon of noise? Well, maybe both. We can have both. I mean, you you know, you're like me, aren't you? We're not sh- we're not shy in coming forward, but you are a beacon of light for sure. Just that smile says it all. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Oh, it's a joy. <laughs> we're both saying that we've had little sleep last night because we're on the day after a massive storm here in the UK. So we're kind of both feeling quite jaded. So goodness knows what's going to come out on the podcast today. Absolutely. Energy personified with two hours sleep. Let's see where we get to. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, how are you doing in lockdown? So we're recording this in lockdown three. We're kind of starting to come out the back end of it. How's it all been going for you? Well, it's a good week because the kids are back at school. My Nia is back at school. So it feels, it feels nicer than usual not because it's not been nice to have her around because actually it's been amazing and I've missed her but it's difficult right you know it you're a mum yourself and managing a business and looking after the homeschooling has been difficult so I think we're just all feeling optimistic about the next few weeks it's been tough we've just got to dig deep carry on with it and hope that when we kind of start to come out of it at the end of March on the roadmap it it starts to feel a lot nicer for us all because it's been hideous right Oh, totally. I'm looking forward to that first holiday that we're allowed to have. And I actually got a call this morning about my vaccine. Oh, amazing. I know, because I'm only 43. So I thought it'd be ages away yet, but they must be doing really well. So I was like, yes, that feels like it's kind of the route out, doesn't it? Yeah, well, for once, I'm thankful that I turned 40 in December. So I must be on the list at some point very soon. So I think you and I will be jetting off this this summer with our vaccination passport. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for the sunshine. Now, you know, because you've listened to the podcast before, that one of the things that I ask you to share are the things that you are most proud of. 
So I know that you've been giving this a little bit of thought. So what's the first thing that you want to share as a nice shake your pom-poms moment? Yeah, I love that phrase. And I'm not particularly good at shaking my pom-poms. So I, I, I think I mentioned to you, I found this really difficult and I started to overanalyze it. And for me, it's not, my proudest moments aren't moment in time pieces. They're, they're the things that make me most proud. The first one is my daughter. So, you know, it, it would be natural to say that one of your proudest moments is becoming a mum, right? But for me, Nia just makes me proud every single day. And it's interesting because obviously on the eve of the podcast, so last night, we were sat at the breakfast bar in the kitchen having dinner together. And she just started asking me about work. How was work today? What oh. you mummy? You know, how such and such. She reeled off every single person that works as part of Team Cracked. Oh. You know, how are they? And how's Becky getting on? She started only a couple of weeks back and she's nine. She's not even 10. And it's a difficult one for me because Nia has grown up from a very young age as, you know, she won't remember anything different of me working morning, noon and night. Yes. And, you know, the guilt that comes with that is, is massive. And I don't think I'll ever get that balance right. And I certainly am not perfect. And, you know, I work far more than I should. And at, at times I pay that more attention than I'm not, I'm not always present, physically present with or mentally present when she's around. And I find that difficult. But the level of maturity that Nia deals with, a hardworking mum who's running her own business is just unbelievable. And, you know, she's all of the things that you'd say about, you know, your lovely daughter, you know, she's articulate, she's kind, she's caring, she's loving, but I'm just more proud that she kind of deals with our situation and how we kind of live and, and, and how I work with a great sense of pride, maturity, and she shows an interest. And, you know, for me, she just makes me proud every single day. Oh, it's so lovely to hear that. And it's so fascinating to hear about the guilt bit as well, because so many mums that I talk to experience the guilt, whether actually they are a stay-at-home mum or whether they are a work full-time morning, noon, night type mum. We all feel guilt for different reasons. I think it's just one of those things that's inherently built in us. But what you're doing, from what I can see, is really role modeling the type of behaviors that are going to help Nia to be successful in whatever she wants to do as she grows up. And the fact she's showing an interest shows that you've got that connection. It's beautiful. Yeah, she certainly knows, I guess, what hard work is or what it looks like. She might not know what it feels like yet. But, you know, I think it's really, really important. My dad showed me that my parents both showed me that from a young age. And you know, it's too easy these days with children, she says, as if she's 60. You know, <laughs> they things handed to them, you know, treats and aren't treats. You know, it would be spoiled in our day. But the expectation of what children have now is completely different. And I just want her to grow up knowing that you have to work for, for what you, you know, yeah. you have to work at it. And it doesn't all come to you or get handed on a plate. You've got to put in the hours and the rest will follow. So yeah, it's a proud moment. Yeah. It's amazing. And of course, your work ethic has been designed over the last few years in Compass Group before you set up your own business. And that really is morning, noon and night. How has that been in terms of transition? So going from that environment that was so full on, very corporate, very crazy, into setting up your own business. And I'm guessing you still work morning, noon and night because it's hard, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, you know, Nia, we don't go on a single holiday where the laptop doesn't get 
take them. Yeah. Or I don't take calls. And it's a different type of hard work. You know, I've always been one of those people even at my in my earliest days in my career where you know I always worked hard and I I wasn't afraid to put the hours in and again I get that from my my parents but it's just a different type so I don't work any less I work more probably now <laughs> But the transition wasn't massively different in terms of, oh my God, this is a stark difference from what I knew at Compass. It was just very different in that, you know, it wasn't an hour, a time-based thing. It was more a pressure and a, <laughs> a sense of responsibility that you'd, you'd never feel working for a corporate organisation. It's funny, isn't it? Is there a sense of responsibility because it's yours, but also a freedom because you're not accountable to anybody? Absolutely. And you know, one of the reasons I started Cracked was that one, it was always something that I wanted to do and work for myself. And again, my dad has always worked for himself since the age of 18. So I guess there was something in me. But the other thing is, I think I'm just too straight talking sometimes for corporate politics. And <laughs> I just didn't want to be in that anymore. And by the way, Compass was a brilliant place to work. I worked for some amazing people. I worked in across lots of different sectors and it you know it still remains now a a really important part of my you know my my life and but you know you either fit in or you don't fit in and and it's not that I didn't fit in I just you know I'm better suited to (laughs) more authentic maybe absolutely absolutely and you know I think being yourself is one of the, the most important parts important things that you can be in your career I think it must be entirely exhausting putting on a face and trying to be someone you're not. So it allows me to be me. Definitely. And I did that for years and years and years. And, you know, to the point of burnout. So I totally understand that bit. And I guess that's the nice bit from a role modeling perspective. For Nia, that idea of just showing up as yourself, that's probably one of the best lessons we can teach our kids, isn't it? Absolutely. And you and I have actually spoken about it before, you know, because our children or our girls are of a similar age and they're an impressionable age and they're, they've got so much access to things and information and images that we didn't have. And we were naive to some extent growing up. At the age <laughs> yeah. of and, you know, Nia thinks about things and has concerns about things that I don't think I ever entered my mind until I was certainly a lot older. And uh, thank you for the recommendation of the book, by the way. You've got this, which is a book yeah. which I was reading last night about comparisons. She was on the piece about comparisons and it's really, really important from a role model perspective that you are comfortable or learn to be comfortable as yourself in your own skin for your good bits and your bad bits of which yes. of, of which on both sides for me and just being at peace with it. Yeah, I like that. Being at peace with it. And I'm also detecting, because you've mentioned him several times now, that your dad, it feels like he's quite a role model for you. Yeah, he is. He's my hero, actually. <laughs> Which sounds ah, wait, it's, it's lovely. But my dad is we 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 joke actually because a lot of my friends will say, "Oh, Clay, you know, you'll never be happy because you'll never find anyone like your dad." In relationship terms, but yeah, he's always been a role model to me. His work ethic, his he's selfless. He he's so generous. He is straight talking. What you see is what you get. He's a bit, a bit like Marmite. No one ever hates him, but he's certainly, you either love him or you think, oh, but actually my mom is the unsung hero as well of our family, right? You know, she worked three jobs when we had not much and 
it's always my dad that I give the kudos to, but actually my mum is the unsung hero of the Nutter family as well, I think. That's amazing. Working three jobs and having children. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were at secondary school. She was at the doctors. She worked at the, as a receptionist at the doctors. She worked at night school at the college. Yeah, she, yeah, she's done everything for our family. She's the rock. She's, she's what enables us to be who we are and, and be able yeah. to work how we, how we do. She's my after school childcare. She, you know, she's just brilliant. She's where you get the light from. That's brilliant. What about the second proud moment then? What else have you got? Well, the second proud moment was actually starting Cracked, right? Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, so I, I, you know, it's something that I always wanted to do. There was a lot at stake. I'm a single income, single parent household. So leaving a corporate organization with the security of a a salary every month, you know, is quite a daunting thing to do. But I always felt like I had it in me and I always wanted to do it. And my, my view was, do you know what? If it doesn't work out, I'll just get another job. People said to me, oh, you're brave leaving. You're brave setting up a new. And I kind of went, well, am I? I mean, if it doesn't work, I'll just do something else. But it takes you a while to get into that mindset, to be able to think like that. Because yes. it, it could have gone all horribly wrong. But yeah, I think that the day that I got through the kind of company's house registration for me was a really proud moment because I knew I'd kind of, you know, it was the start of my journey and it was what I'd always wanted to do. And there was no going, well, there was going back if I wanted to, but to some extent there was no going back. That was me. I was on the, the start of the journey. I think what's lovely from an observer perspective, obviously, you know, you had a really senior role in Compass. So it is a difficult decision, as you say, to leave that salary that leave the security of a full-time job whatever that means and take that step but what I noticed about Cracked Mm. and the way that you show up within it is from day one it had a company feel as opposed to an individual going around helping people with their marketing you know which so many people do that they start super small and the business might have been super small when you started it but it never had that essence about it you sort of set it up from the word go as if it was already a successful company and it came across in that way so how did you do that well thank you for a start that's nice feedback to have well I'm in marketing so I mean (laughs) (laughs) you'd hope that I guess I I could manage that if I put my mind to it but I, I didn't actually ever even think about it like that so it's interesting to hear that as feedback yeah, it's, it's a funny one because I didn't start cracked with any kind of ideas about how big I wanted it to be, how many people I wanted to employ. I just had this vision that I wanted, I, I saw that there was an opportunity for an experienced marketing to create an agency that was more than an agency. And I, that sounds ridiculous, but you know, I was lucky to work with so many great agencies across my corporate career, not just at Compass, but at Heineken, at Whitbread. But the key thing was that for me, they either came with a great amount of creativity, but often ideas that just would never land in the operational world. Although they were stunning, you'd think, oh God, that's never going to happen. But, you know, great idea. Or kind of, they weren't particularly good at managing relationships or their project management wasn't good. And so I saw an opportunity to bring together kind of creativity, but also the experience of 
operations from a marketing perspective Mm -hmm. to really have and bring clients marketing that works and it's that simple and down to earth and can operationally land and you know just the people that now work for cracked aren't just account managers or account directors these guys are marketeers that have worked in food service organizations be them suppliers or operators so they bring an experience and an expertise and a credibility that you know is different and and that's what I saw as the opportunity and it was me at the bottom of my garden in the shed or the studio as I I would call it yeah it it was a studio but I refer to it as the shed and then it became me and one other then we became four and you know I think we're now at about 15 so um, and that's in three years of is that three years well four we're just four years we're going into our fifth year in May yeah yeah it's unbelievable it's it's amazing and what I want to know is because this is a bit that loads of entrepreneurs struggle with yeah is the how do I go from being just me, accountable to me, trusting me, to giving my baby to somebody else, and then another person, then another person, and sharing it? How did you make that transition? I haven't, and that's <laughs> <laughs> and that is the honest answer. And do you know what? It's an interesting one because I have, of course, I have in some <laughs> in some respects. But it's the one thing I struggle with, and probably the one thing my team would collectively say is something that is a challenge about me. You know, look, I'm I'm not perfect. The interesting thing is, you're right. It's so personal to me. And cracked, whilst it was cracked, food service marketing from day one, it was Claire for a yes. while. And I want crack to be about every member of the team, not just Claire. But it's difficult because you know it's the business is still mine. So I have a feel a personal responsibility for everything that goes out of the doors of yes. crack. And it doesn't boil down to that I don't trust people. It's just that I don't ever want us to get so big that I don't know, I don't have a handle on, you know, our accounts, our clients, our jobs, our projects, because there are so many agencies that we've worked with that get to a size that you lose that connection. Yes. Engagement. And that's also the beauty of us, that we, we are big enough to cope, but small enough to care. And I'm still battling that that task, Angela. That is the honest answer. And I think I've actually got worse in the last 12 months because of the anxiety of keeping the business going through coronavirus, right? So where I'd got used to stepping away and I'd actually got quite good at stepping away, they'll never say I'm perfect at it because I'm certainly <laughs> not. I felt this need to wrap my arms around everything again to the point that I probably felt quite suffocating to some mm. of the guys. And that's not a good feeling to be on the receiving end of. But it came from a place that I had this huge responsibility or sense of responsibility to look after everyone, make sure that they yes. were okay. And I'm not talking just clients, I'm talking my team, that we come out of the end of this with everyone having jobs. And so I kind of went into mother mode and it was for all the right reasons, but it, sometimes it probably didn't land that way. This is such an interesting point because it's, it's something that from a team dynamic is so important for people to grasp. When they're on the receiving end of a behavior like you've just described, you being suffocating, 
understanding the positive intention that's driving that behavior. So your positive intention there was this sense of responsibility for keeping everybody in work, keeping your clients happy, wanting to survive and make sure that your business is okay. So very much positive intention. The behavior, not so easy to experience for you or for them. But if you lose sight of what could that person's positive intention be, the experience of that behavior can be even worse. So it's a really good point that you've brought up to help people understand that. Yeah. And I also didn't want to be that person to explain why I was being how I was being, because I didn't want also people to feel like any form of guilt that I was (laughs) sense of responsibility. And I felt like I was a bit stuck between a rock and a hard place because you're right, the genuine intention was positive. And and I'd even find myself taking work on so that I wasn't overloading everyone mentally. But that isn't always the best thing to do or the best way to behave. But yeah, the intentions were positive and they were there. It's just been a tough year, right? And lots of learning. But Also the remote aspect of it as well, because am I right, you normally all work in an office together. So how have you managed that? How have you managed the transition to everybody going off working at home? You know what, the team have been absolute superstars and, you know, we've all, the the nation have been working from home, right? So we're not alone. Everyone has been doing, as a creative organisation, we're a marketing agency, we're about ideas, we're about collaboration, we're about bringing different parts of our business together to deliver a solution for our clients. And doing that over teams is difficult. There's no doubt about it. You know that. We've spent a lot of time being more inefficient because, you know, we're, we're equally, we deal with large files. So uploading, downloading. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, we have teams calls, which, you know, everyone probably feels like this and everyone listening will probably relate to it. We have teams calls for something that we'd speak about over the desk. For a yes. <laughs> that teams call takes half an hour. So by the end of Monday alone, we all feel exhausted because we've been back to back teams calls. But I think, look, we've made it this far and we're just all looking forward to getting back together. Yeah. So I think they've been brilliant. They really have. And it's not always been easy. It's nice to hear teams talking about wanting to get back into the office environment. Because I think you're right. There's almost like this divide. The creative types who rely on collaboration are almost desperate to get back to you know, let us all get together in a room again. And then there's still lots of people who are saying, actually, I want to remain working from home. So it's nice to be able to hear people go, yeah, we want to get back to normal. Yeah, we absolutely do. And there is a time and a place for needing that focused mm. time where working from home might actually be more beneficial. But ultimately, we're a people-based business and can't do that all sat at home individually. So yeah, we're looking forward to it. And you survived COVID. You've not only survived, but you've thrived because you've just taken on someone at quite a senior level, haven't you, in the business? Yeah. So we are building our creative team, our client services team and our content team. That was my third proudest moment, surviving the last bloody 12 months. (laughs) You're like segueing into this. It's brilliant. I don't even have to ask the question. (laughs) Frantically touching wood. So, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been difficult and we're not through it by a long stretch. But, yeah, I feel proud that we've all made it through and we're all in pretty good shape. Perhaps me, not physically, but, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, it's a, it's a proud thing to be able to get through it because it's been tough for everyone. 
And what's the biggest lessons that you've learned, would you say, during the last 12 months? Oh, goodness. That is such a difficult question. There are so many. Well, we've obviously learned that you can never be complacent. And, Mm. you know, there have been times where our phones haven't rung and there have been times where our phones have rung. But those times where our phones haven't rung, we have made an effort to stay connected to people, not in a salesy way. You know, it comes back to being genuine and authentic. You know, this is quite a lot of the time, you know, we'll have conversations with people and we're not necessarily we don't we don't want work we just want to check that check in and see if they're okay and we might not have spoken to someone in six months and you know we might not work with them again for another six or 12 months but you know going cold on them and quiet and not speaking isn't for us part of our how we how we work we always like to check in whether it's just for five minute chat see if they're okay you know and I think and that's genuinely you I mean you know because lots of people would come on a podcast and say that but that is genuinely how you are. You know, yeah. we had a conversation a few months ago and, and it was a long conversation with no real purpose to the conversation other than to talk. Yeah, absolutely. And that's how you are. Yeah, we end up, you know, well, I can only talk for my own personal conversations and not the rest of my teams. But, you know, we talk more about what's going on in, in life than, mm. you know, what's going on in business. Of course, that's a part of the conversation, but it's the secondary part to it rather than, you know, the reason for calling. And I have a little list of names on my pads that, you know, because, you know, the other point is, is that the weeks fly by, right? Yeah. By the time you've loaded and unloaded the dishwasher five times a day at home, you've you've done a bit of fronted adverbials and long vision. Oh, don't even go there. Why are they called that? (laughs) And run the business. You know, you have to make time and be disciplined for that as well. Even if it's something that comes naturally to you, I find that I still have to schedule it in. I have a little list of people that I'm, you know, I'm keen to catch up with and check in with. And, you know, I make sure that that's a part of almost my to-do list, but not in a functional way, you know? Yeah. So I need to dig in here and talk about the superwoman element of this, because, you know, you are, as you say, single mom, you are running your own business. You look fabulous. You always present yourself in a really brilliant way. You've got a beautiful home that looks spotless. How do you do all of this? Because this is like the question every woman wants to know when they see a successful woman in front of them. How do you do it? Oh, do you know what? It's difficult and I don't. It's funny because it's hard work. And I actually yesterday, this week hasn't been a particularly great week for how I've been feeling about myself. And it's important to talk about when you feel good and equally when you don't feel so good. And it would be really unlike me to ring you and say, I could we reschedule today? But I almost did because I didn't feel as though I could be my best version of me based on how I was feeling. Yeah. Um, I kind of picked myself up and pulled myself together somehow. And I'm not entirely, you know, it's just not within me to, to let people down anyway. And actually I woke up this morning feeling completely differently and it wasn't for any other reason than perhaps I didn't even have a good night's sleep because of that bloody wind, but I just felt different today. So I'm not superwoman at all. Um, you know, sometimes I find it very cathartic to have a little sob if I'm feeling yes. <laughs> And it's tough, you know, to balance all of the things that are expected of you in all facets of your life 
and get it right. And I don't mm. get it right. You know, I, I'm either giving too much to work and not enough to my daughter and my relationship, or actually I'm often not giving enough time to my relationship at all, which is needs to change. But it's tough and it's difficult. And there is no formula because I'm, I don't do it particularly well, but I manage it somehow. <laughs> it's just juggling balls, isn't it? Absolutely. And some weeks I'm better at juggling them more in a balanced way than others. Yeah, there's no there's no answer to it. But I'm I'm quite relentless and I'm determined to to make it work and all of all of it and and try and be the best that I can possibly be in in all areas. And sometimes I'm good at that and sometimes I'm not so good at it. It just depends on what week you find me. <laughs> and that's the essence of it. The the fact that you've just said, you know, the best version of you. I think for me, the way I try and look at that is to be the best version that you can today. And that might not be as good as you perhaps were yesterday or as energetic or as effervescent. But as long as it's the best that you can bring now, then that's okay. And that maybe should be our barometer rather than trying to be this kind of epic badass, you know, every single minute of every single day, because it's just not doable with all of the pressures that we have. And it's so it's nice to hear you say, actually, and I wish you had a phone me, but it's nice to hear you say that I've not been feeling myself because I think that's kind of how most people feel at the moment. We've got this general energy in the world that's kind of, you know, we've got all of this love and hate stuff going on in the media at the moment, which doesn't help. But also this change curve that we're going into now coming back out of lockdown and what's that going to mean so there's this general unrest about so many of us just now that is making everyone feel just a bit flat and I think that's okay isn't it to acknowledge it yeah absolutely and I think you know it comes on to it's okay for everyone to feel a little anxious as well you know we've spent the last year really not speaking to anyone other than over zoom I mean there have been parts of the that that period where we've obviously been allowed to go out and you know meet in pub gardens and there was a sense of normality at some stage but you know we've also got used to our own company so I found myself turning down you know the bloody weekly zoom quiz with the girls I just wanted some time to myself whether that was to sit on the sofa and just stare at the tv and not even take much of it in totally didn't want to feel like I had to always be switched on and yeah, I think coming out of it, we're also going to have to learn to adapt again to socializing beyond the virtual world, which yeah. is difficult. And it's like a stimulation thing. It's funny you should bring it up because Coral and I went out the other day. She was posting her little boxes. So we went to the post office and we were walking along the high street, which is seemingly busier than it usually is because I think people are kind of coming out a little bit more. And she was really on edge and I was, I was sort of picking up on this vibe and she actually said to me, mommy, I feel really on edge and like, I need to get away from everyone. I don't like being with all of these people. And we were sort of talking about the idea of, you know, like you say, being isolated and quiet and not a lot going on to suddenly being exposed to noise and people and how that impacts us from a stimulation point of view and that you're right, the adaptation that that's going to take, you know, said you get used to it again, but it's a transition. But at 10 years old feeling that fear, it's like, oh my God. No, I know. And 
Nia and I often go out for a little bit of walk and some fresh air because, you know, you can sit at your desk, can't you, and realise that you've not moved for three days <laughs> other than to go to the sink to get yourself a drink, a bit of lunch. And You mean so- you're not doing 10,000 steps every day? <laughs> I mean, I tried the other day to plot. I've been having to plot half an hour in my diary every day to try and just get some fresh air. The other week, I realised I hadn't left the house for three days. It's ridiculous. But it's also interesting to see how people are dealing with other people in their presence. And, you know, we kind of avoid everyone. Now, obviously, we're avoiding people because of social distance, but avoiding and keeping your distance are two completely different things. You know, we we walk past people who have almost thrown themselves into bushes. Yeah, like you've got the plague. (laughs) (laughs) Not to be anywhere near us. And by the way, we weren't even within two metres. But it is strange how this is the impact it's had on, you know, people. Connection. Yeah, connection. I read on the the local Weybridge Network Facebook page the other day, you know, it might be a good idea if you don't say thank you to people if they let you pass because you could, you know, you could pass on their germs. Just put put your hand up to say thank you or don't say anything at all. And I thought the world's gone mad. It's so sad, isn't it? Yeah. It's funny, in the time I was sleeping last night, which was, was few and far between, I was dreaming about hugging people. And then feeling guilty for breaking the COVID rules because I've been hugging people in my dreams. And I was like, this is just terrible. I cannot wait to get back to the time when we can hug again. No, I agree. It's going to be a lovely, lovely feeling to embrace those that are close to us. I'm looking forward to hugging my mum and dad for sure. Yes. When did you last see them? We see each other um, because now wraparound care is okay. So my mum picks me up from school, but we've been going for the odd walk, you know, as the nice but yeah no it's nice I think that's worse though when you I mean I've not seen my parents for 12 months so you know they're away and obviously I can't cuddle them but if they were here and I couldn't cuddle them that would be terrible so I feel for you (laughs) No, I feel for you 12 months is a long 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 it is a long time now I've got the killer question for you now and I can't wait to hear what you're going to say so we always ask and we want your opinion on it rather than what it might say in a book. But what's your opinion on the secret to success? <laughs> well, I'm still working at it, Angela. So maybe come back in a couple of years' time. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, at the end of the day, there's lots of things that I would consider I've been successful in. And there are lots of things that I I consider myself not so successful in. So All I can tell you, there is, I don't have a secret to success because I don't feel like I'm quite there yet. But I do have some guiding principles, I think, that would help along the way. And they're things that I, you know, I live, I live by, I guess. The first one is you've got to love what you do, right? Nice. And that's everything in life. So, you know, let's talk about it from a work perspective. But, you know, why waste time on anything that you don't love doing? So uh, I've been extremely lucky to work with great people and I've never had a job that I haven't loved. I can honestly say that. And my mantra has always been, the day you wake up and dread going to work is the day you should find something else because it can be. And, you know, the impact that that has on you in so many different ways of not enjoying your work, which is, you know, where we spend most of our time is, you know, is magnificent in terms of that impact. Mm. So for me, it's love what you do. So I've been really, really lucky in that sense. And I'll have that conversation with my team now when we're talking about development and what's next for them. And, you know, I always say you get to a certain age or you actually don't get to a certain age and stage in your career, but you are certainly 
at a younger age, you can control, you know, don't spend time in a job that you're not sure about or you're not enjoying or just doesn't feel right for you. You know, use that opportunity to kind of take a different path or consider something different because there are certain stages where it's easier to do that. Now, you and I have actually demonstrated that it doesn't matter, you know, where you are in your career or actually your age. You can go off and do whatever you want to do anyway. But, you know, don't waste those early years for me. Totally. You know, waste those early years in something that just doesn't feel right. So love what you do would be my kind of first one. The second one would be be yourself. Yeah. You know? I think, you know, I, I've said earlier, it must be exhausting putting on it a is. face in front of someone <laughs> you're <laughs> But look, I mean, authenticity goes such a long way, right? Mm. I always reference the fact, and I cringe still, that people used to refer to me as enthusiastic and bubbly. And I thought, oh, God, what terrible words to be described as. And I'd be the person, we talked about it to start with, that you'd probably hear me in the office before you saw me. And I'm painting a really bad picture for those who don't know me because I'm really not that brash and over the top. But, you know, I always took time and made the effort to say hi to people, to have conversations, see how people were, to, you know, take five minutes away from my desk and, you know, meet, you know, if I saw someone in the corridor and have a chat. And that's what builds relationships. And for me, you know, engagement and relationships are just as important as technical ability and that's what's you know kind of carried us forward in cracked it's not actually we're all technically really really capable people you'd expect us to be because you know you wouldn't engage a marketing agency if they didn't know what they were doing but the important thing is that we're people who can you know take time to you know engage with us for me it's about relationships as much as it is how how you can do the job how well you can do the job and then I think really the last one, I haven't, I've kept it short. There aren't many more. I um, love a three is, principle thing. That's good. I didn't do that on purpose. Is don't be afraid to make mistakes. Oh, so many of us are petrified at being wrong or making a mistake, but they're what we learn from. And that mm. sounds so cliche, but once you've overcome adversity or, you know, you've made a mistake and you realize that it's not going to end your world or, you know, no one's died and you actually realize and you become a bit braver because you realize that actually you can afford to make mistakes. And as long as you learn from them, that's fine. So they're kind of my three. They're really basic, but they're the three things, guiding principles that I live by. I mean, you know, you say they're really basic. They're actually really tough for so (laughs) many people. I mean, those three things are probably the three things that I see most in my life coaching work with people you know Mm. those three things are what I needed on a crib sheet if you could just make that crib sheet at cracked that'd be brilliant I needed those three things on a crib sheet when I was in my 20s because you know love what you do I can't say up until now I ever really loved what I did I was doing it because it felt like that's what I needed to do in order to be successful you needed to be a senior leader you know, always striving, always being promoted in order to tick the boxes. Be yourself. You know, me and many, many women are not being their self in the corporate environment and only find the freedom of that when they leave that arena. And then don't make mistakes is one of the hardest things for people to accept because they can feel it in their body every time they make one. So these are not 
simple things. No. These are, I mean, it's amazing advice that people, if they can hook into this at an early age, as you say, and go after that as their guiding principles, would be life-changing, actually. Yeah, and now I feel silly that I've said that they're no. easy when you that I think also a lot of it, right, is about my mum, my mum and my dad are a big part of those three things and why I feel like that. I've witnessed them, my dad make mistakes. I've, I've seen that it's at times been devastating and at other yeah. times it's been okay. They, he's always said to me, you know, you've got to love what you do. Life's too short. Again, sounds really cliche, but I've also been lucky that I've found myself in jobs that I enjoy doing and I love. So I know that not everyone is that lucky in that sense. So I've never really had that feeling like, oh, is this right for me? Or, you know, there've been a few moments where, but I've, I've made that change where I, when I felt that. And the but it shows, not- doesn't it, that your role models from that early age that you've had have helped you to to become these three things yeah and and that's why it's easy for you because you've had that person going look this is okay this is this is the way we do things around here yeah I'm extremely yeah and that's what I want to be Vanilla ultimately so yeah so they're my three however easy or not they're my three kind of not secrets to success, as I said, but kind of my guiding principles. I think if you could make that into a crib sheet and start sharing that everywhere, because this really is, you know, what we want to be teaching our kids as you were taught it, you know, from, from the age of six and seven, that they are the secrets to success. You've nailed it on the head. Thank you. <laughs> this, is, this is why you're energy personified, because you've got that backdrop. It's just brilliant. You are an absolute inspiration. Said at the beginning, you were this kind of guiding light and you are because, you know, you are the type of person that people can follow and be inspired and create the life that they want because you're showing that you can do it. Thank you. That's really kind, almost a bit emotional. But no, thank you, Angela. It's been lovely speaking to you. I've loved it. Thank you very, very much. I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode. And do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.